What's up, guys? It's DJ Thomas. We're live for our second podcast, and I have my two guests here this week. I have Nelson Lewis. He's an equine veterinarian and also opening a local coffee shop. And I have Mr. Marshall Fulgham. He actually owns a martial arts studio. Um, Marshall, we'll get started with you, man. Um, I've known you for quite a while now. Uh, I kind of want to let you give, give uh, the listeners some feedback on that if you want. How I met you? Yeah, sure. How this sure, let's go for it. All right, so let me try to tell the story correctly without hurting too many feelings. So <laughs> I was told by my present, by my employer at the time, uh, I'd been out of more for quite some time, and I was told at the time that summer that I was no longer needed. My services were no longer needed. So I was middle-aged, middle-30s. I needed something to do. And my brother that was running the gym at the time where you were at, DJ, uh, called me and said, hey, you need to need to come in and help us out. Mind you, this is probably like 10 years ago, I believe, uh, at this point. Yeah, yeah 2008, yeah. 2009. Right. And so um, came in and just kind of, you know, helped hold some mitts and some target, you know, shook some hands, met everybody. And that's when I met you, and you were getting ready for a fight, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I believe so. Was that a, was it out at the Downs? Yeah, it was. No, it was um, actually. It was. A, it was south. It was in South Louisiana. It was at a. That's right. Flug fest and blood right. fest. Your brother was actually coaching me for that fight. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I'm not going to tell you who my brother is. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> um, anyhow, so that's where we met, and uh, I just remember at that point in time thinking that that, that I knew you were young, but you you had. Dreams of doing doing other things, like right? You're, you're yeah. always fighting like, wasn't my my main. I mean, you know, priority. Good, you wrong, yeah, it was fun, but yeah. you know what I'm saying. So yeah. that's kind of how you and I met, right? And uh, that's been yeah, that's been ten years ago. And then I didn't see you for a while. You did other things. I I, I stayed and I, I ran a martial arts school. We grew it, whatever. And then a friend of mine, a friend of ours, invited me to this uh, local business group. Yeah, and he said, "Hey, I got a guy that I think knows you." Right? Oh man. So it was a walk in, and there you are. And so we kind of met up again. That's been what about a year and a half, two years ago? Yeah, we're about two years in now. Uh, yes. It's crazy how the past have like you know they forked at one time, they come back together, two completely different avenues, and now we're doing things. No doubt, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I have Nelson here too, man, and I'd love for you to give an intro and kind of tell everyone who you are and what you're doing. Yeah, um, Nelson Lewis. Uh, like DJ said, I'm an equine veterinarian. So for those of you that don't know, it's uh, just work on horses exclusively. So. You don't want to ask me about your dog or cat because it, it might not come out right. But at any rate, um, doing that, I've been doing that since 2006 and, uh, you know, own that with my brother and have four veterinarians in the practice. It's a full-time kind of emergency hospital, uh, 24-7 deal. Um, and then fix and open up a coffee shop. Right. So, yeah, kind of want to go a different direction. Now, what got stuff. you into coffee? How do you go from being a horse veterinarian to opening a coffee shop? I'm interested in the story and how that happened. I think it goes back to the ASFAB. Okay. Remember the ASFAB? Yes, absolutely. So, my ASFAB said I was supposed to be a chef. So, I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love cooking for people and things like that. But, I don't know, just lived in New Orleans and... And uh, other parts of the country that had some really good coffee shops and love coffee. Of course, going through veterinary school, it's, you know, you're living off coffee. So, oh, yeah. You know, any, any professional school, you know, like a lot of what we do. And so, um, really kind of th- started thinking about it six or seven years ago. Um, I flew out to Phoenix and was working on some horses. And and the people that own the, horse, own the horses also, they're from Canada and they had a place in uh, outside of Phoenix. So I got to stay there while I was working on the horses. That's awesome. They had this, uh, they had this coffee shop 
like this is this you know summer home you know winter homes for all the the snowbirds and they have this coffee shop like that you that you come in the front and they had like a big reading room so at four o'clock every afternoon all the children from this huge neighborhood which was like a town would come in there and they had people designated to read for them okay and the coffee was awesome and i just was like i don't know for some reason that place really made me just go well, that's an interesting because spin it was different. On, yeah, that's very different for that. You know, most of your coffee shops have your, you know, your business entrepreneurs and your students, and that's about it. Right. And so this was a really, it was it was really about bringing the community together. Right. Um, and so I think it goes back to, you know, what's your why kind of thing. So it's okay. like, so we did that, and then so our coffee shop's going to have a couple of meeting rooms for people to do, you know, business meetings or, right. you know, whatever you want to do. But we're, and then we're not going to. We're not charging for that. We're just going to let people come in and, and use the space. Because, I mean, we were always looking for a space when we are meeting with people. So I was like, it'd be cool. Let's do it. You know? so, yeah. And you're putting a different spin on it. I'm excited yeah. to see it unfold. Marshall, what about you, man? I'd like to hear your backstory because we've known each other for quite a while, but I don't really know how you come up and got into martial arts. Brother, how far do you want to go back? I mean, we have about 30 minutes, but, I, you know, I mean, we'll take five or six of it. You know, just, let's, let's roll with it. I'll give you the generic version, um, the abbreviated version. So I started in 88. I had a friend of mine that invited me in and said, hey, if, if you'll come in and, and you'll join me in classes, I have a chance to win a BMX bike. And in 1988, 7th seven, seventh grader, BMX bike was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. <laughs> so uh, I decided to help a friend out, and, and, and I, I went in, and I immediately fell in love with it. Uh, I fell in love with the structure. It's something at the time and my, my age that I really needed. And so I stuck with it. Um, I, I found a kinship and a friendship in there. Yeah. And so as time goes on and progresses, it was something that I, I could do. I tried playing uh, basketball. It was a little too short. Right. I tried playing football a little too small. Okay. And so, um, but I, I really like martial arts. I could go in there and I could, I could kick and punch whatever I wanted to kick and punch and I could learn those values. And it was an, it was a martial art at the time. I, I, I was training traditional style taekwondo. So it was at the time it had a lot of history to it. And so I, I liked learning about that. And so as I progressed, um, my instructor and I became, you know, pretty good friends. And he wound up being from France of all places. Hmm, and so. And, and, and so, um, like I say, the very much abbreviated version, once I got to, to my black belt, I'd already been helping out with classes. Okay. And, um, but I was a teenager. I got into girls at the time. And um, I wanted to go date. I wanted to go live right, somewhere. Right, right. Of course, yeah. Hang out at the dojo or the gang. <laughs> so um, I, I, I kind of quit. And I was a secondary black belt at the time. And my instructor looked at me and said, are, are you sure that's what you want to do? And I, yeah, I believe so. I believe I'm, I believe I'm done for a while. And okay. so I, I went and I lived a little bit, came back, walked in, and I'll never forget, this is what changed it forever. When I walked back in in 1994, so it's uh, about a year and a half later after I quit, he was looking for somebody to help out with classes. Okay. I walked in. He said, what are you doing? I said, well, let's get my to see you. He said, you want a job? <laughs> I said, absolutely. So here I am, 18 years old. Um, 19 years old, and I work four hours a day. I make as much money as most people do my age at the time, working eight, nine, ten hours a day. Uh, I work at nights. I sleep in. Right. And um, a lot of pretty girls at the time. All, all <laughs> down about that, right? And so that would have been early 90s. Um, we went through our ups and downs. I, I got out for a while. I tell a joke to everybody. If you quit martial arts and you come back, your friends are all going to be six degrees. And if you're in the game, you understand that when you quit and people stay in it, they, they keep going and you don't. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, I've experienced that firsthand. I mean, you know I, mean I, was, I was training what I started 10 years ago, 
I took a hiatus for like four or five years. I come back and half of my friends and my team I was training with are all UFC superstars now. <laughs> it's insane how that works, you know? It's like, okay, well, now I'm having to fight at the amateur level as a grown man while I'm watching my friends come back and, you know, announce my fight who's a UFC fighter. It's just insane, man. But Absolutely. it's crazy how that unfolds. It may, it humbles you, though, a little bit, but also motivates you. Yes, it does. And, and, and you know, you can't get time back. Time's right. supposed to back. Exactly. Yeah. So, anyways, um, uh, uh, ran that school for a couple of years. Um, we split ways again. Uh, you know, life hit. Um, the 90s hit. It was kind of in and out for me, really, truly. I got married in 2001, and uh, my wife who knew me in high school uh, said, you know, you need to get back to martial arts. Let me ask you this. Let me interject real quick before we get too far into that. So were you into martial arts when the Karate Kid came out and it was like extremely uh, popular? That was right before me. I was okay, so you right hit it, but was it still kind of a hot game then? Or, you know? What what was big in the 80s was, of course, Karate Kid, Elizabeth right. Shue. Right. right. I was a big Elizabeth Shue. Anyways, okay. but in 88, uh, uh, the Olympics had allowed actual Taekwondo. In. Nice. Okay. And so everybody wanted to do Taekwondo. Yeah. It wasn't the type of Taekwondo we did, but right. I was like, heck yeah. Right. So, and, and then, and then when I got back in and started working for my instructor full time, that's when the UFC hit. And that's when the game changed because then it was no longer stand up, talk about theory. Uh, you know, I can do this with my mind. I can freeze things. I can right. teleport. <laughs> yeah, well, let's, let's get in there. Right let's, let's, let's move some people. And that really and truly was one of the best things that ever happened to me. In martial arts, because it cut out the the fake from the real. Yeah, the McDojos. Yes, let us all see. Yeah, that's awesome. It was like blood sport. <laughs> so I'm gonna go back. Yeah, exactly. But I was For, for, for you listeners under 25, you probably don't know what it is, but no. you should look up that movie. It's a great movie. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the great thing about the UFC was is that I didn't have cable. Nobody I knew had cable because I lived so far out. I lived, I lived in North, kind of North Bosch Parish. I had to rent the fights from Blockbuster. Six months after nice, it happened. Nice. So you awesome. the fights and dude, you just watch them and watch them. But anyway, so so just real quick, after two thousand and one, I still didn't listen to my wife for eight years. You got back into the, the workforce. Got back into the workforce. We're out of martial arts. I was. And, okay, you went through different multiple different and, Yes. And she told it was like a revolving door and she told me you need to get back every six months you need to get back. So actually when I met you, that's when I that's when I started coming back in. Well that's interesting because I think now, of course, you have passion. You're doing it full time, and, yes, and you have a successful gym. Not only that, but you're doing something more. You're trying to grow. You're trying to inspire people, not just make you know make your gym dues every month and you yes, know, start sir. swing people in and out. But from that standpoint, it's all about you know values. You know what we're trying to do here is actually give you information that's going to either motivate you or just change your mind a little bit so you can move forward. If you're scared to make a make that jump. Then you're going to be stuck making moving through the motions, like you said, for eight more years. You're never going to get that time back. I mean, of course, I'm sure you learned some stuff during that time, right. but you're never going to get that back. So now that you know, I'm sure you would have done things differently. Yes, sir. But it all folds out the same. But it's awesome to be able to motivate you. Yes, now, Nelson, I'm interested to, to know kind of is this has this been your your path the entire time as far as leading up into being a veterinarian, or did you have other aspirations and it changed? What was your childhood like? What motivated you? Were you going to school and saying, okay, I want to be a veterinarian, or you know, what kind of happened there? No, I wanted to be a jazz musician. Okay, oh, interesting. Yeah. And I uh, played saxophone, or still play saxophone, but played saxophone, and, and I wanted to do that. And my dad's a doctor, you know, my half my family's and like. They're a bunch of brainiacs, you know, so it was like, I, I think I'd gone my first, I mean, my first semester in college, 
you know, like I had a 1.7 or something like that. Close. It was, it was wow. ridiculous because <laughs> I made like a 17 on the ACT. Okay. I have one of the eight lowest ACT scores of any veterinarian on the planet. <laughs> um, well, I mean, because I ask you that because most veterinarians I meet, that's all they want to do the whole time. They right, go. right. Well, I grew up on a ranch, too. Right. So and then my, I have an uncle that's a, that, that has a big practice, and, and I spent a lot of time there. And it was more like, I guess this is what I should do. And it's not that I don't like doing it, and it's not that I don't. Ha- I have a passion, probably more for doing things right, no matter what I do. Right. So, uh, but you know, I was one of those guys. I got in a lot of trouble. I mean, you can call the sheriff, and yeah, I was asked. To, I was asked to leave the state. Very okay. okay. And uh, yeah, I got some trouble. So, if there's anybody out there that's been in a lot of trouble and down and out with a, with a really low ACT score, you can make it. You know? Yeah, I mean that's a that's a good point. There. Yeah, I mean I was arrested and drugs and I went through it all you know I went through the through the ringer and then and then grades were really low um went to college six years got denied twice to, for vet school um then was gonna maybe go to welding school because I used to weld too and so it was like you know thankfully back then at six years they would let you retake classes that you'd done bad in you know, or like after four years. Yeah. So I went through and I retook all those classes that first year, you know, and made really good grades. That's got to be frustrating, though, to have to go through and do it again, man. Well, it was hey, like, if I'm going to get in, I'm the one who screwed up. Exactly. Hey, accountability, that's yeah. awesome, yeah. Yeah, I was the one who screwed up, and I went in there, and, you know, and it was like that that third time, I was like, okay, we'll see what happens. I got in, and, you know, and then I'd gotten all my partying out. I was a little bit older than than a lot of other people in the class um, by a couple years. And, you know, by the time I got to veterinary school, I was like, okay, this is my job. So I treated it as a yeah. job, mm-hmm. went through it, did good. Did the motion. You know, yeah. Got through it. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and that's the thing, I think, with being young is you're, I mean, golly, it, it's so tough now looking at kids and they, they you know, it's, uh, uh, my wife's uh, cousins, they were, they were like, one of them had made a 28 on the ACT, and one of them made a 31, and they were like taking nice. it eight times because right. they were trying to make like a 32. Yeah. I'm like, I promise you, that's not going to get yeah. you. That's not what's going to get no, you there. No, it's going to be the effort and the hard work. Effort, hard work, and, and, and some type of desire to do something. And you don't have to know what it is, really. That's right. right. But, well, I mean, it took me, I tell everyone, it took me 10 years to figure out what it would be when I grow up. You know, yeah. Now I'm doing this. This is a part of what I do from a marketing standpoint on a daily basis, but... Ten years ago, I was in the oil and gas industry wearing hard hat and steel toe boots on an oil rig, and I would have never thought I'd been sitting right here talking to you guys about this stuff. It's just insane to think about it, but I think what drove that, yeah, of course, hard work because you have to work hard you know, to make a paycheck in that industry, but passion yeah, and absolutely. finding your passion. It takes a while to find your passion. You know, you really... I, People that think they're going to be an entrepreneur and start a business at 18 years old, I mean, one in a million, maybe that's great, yeah. but you don't you don't know yet until you go through the motions and fail a few times and get stronger and progress forward. Yeah, I don't know. It's in in, in, in finding your passion is a uh, it's really. I mean, I was so stupid at 20, you know, and so I told. I agree. Wife, so was I. And I think you know, <laughs> yeah. and and, and it's not anything. I, it's not anything. I'm knocking young people. It's the idea that you. You just don't have a lot of life experiences, and, no. and you really don't uh, really figure out some things about life till you go through some crap. Of course. Once you go through some crap to get to the other side. And so it was the other night I told my wife, I was like, yeah, I was so stupid at 20. I was pretty stupid at 30. So now I'm 42, and I'm going, 
what am I going to be saying 10 years from now about how stupid I am right now? I'm trying to fuck like, I'm trying to like, like, oh, what, what am I doing right now? Is there something I'm doing that's really retarded that I should, should do better? But, you know, who knows? When I'm 60, I'll be looking back at 40. Yeah. Well, we have, we have, we opened a coffee shop. Would you do that? <laughs> we have a great saying for this in the, in the school, or I'm, I'm sorry, I, I Great scenario. You tell everybody that starts up, you say, hey, look, and you keep your hands up. And you keep your hands up. And you kick, you punch. The other hand needs to be up. Until they get kicked in the face, they don't understand right. why you keep your exactly. hands up. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, life lessons teach Who was that that said that? It's, it's all fun and games until you get hit in the face. Right. right. I believe it was Mike Tyson. Uh, Mike Tyson. I'm yeah. pretty sure it was. Yeah. I mean, and he, I mean, that's a way to some, the simple truth right there, you know. <laughs> but I think where it goes back to, you said hard work and what we were talking about. And, you know, you had to do those things twice. You got to go through all those classes and then do them again because you messed up the first time, but you're willing to put in the effort because you know what the end game was. And I think a lot of us work for that long game. I mean, for that short game, we want that short-term satisfaction so we yes. don't chase our dreams or our passions. And maybe not even – I don't like saying goal because goal is such an overused term in my opinion. I don't want to set goals that I'm going to exceed because then where's my next goal? So I would just say I'm setting levels and points of my life where I think I want to get this done – do as much for people as I can and then move on to the next thing and see what I can do from there. And it's playing the long game. Like we're putting in all the effort and all the time and investing in what the end, end game is going to be, the end result. But the people that are playing the short game and just living for today, living for the likes on Instagram or living for the uh, quick paycheck, you know, it's really going to, in the long run, going to add up to a lot of years of not being happy, like you said, Marshall, to where you realize, okay, I need to go back to the drawing board and figure out what I really want to do. And I'm sure it took a financial toll okay. and a lot of effort, but now you're doing what you want to do and you learn from all that and you can apply that to moving forward. And I've noticed like you have two kids yes, sir, and they are both into martial arts. Yes, sir. And, and I've met them uh, a few times. And what I can say about this is that, your children are mature for their age and the fact that they're not living in a fake world. Because a lot of kids nowadays are living in a dream, basically. I mean, it's, it's instant gratification. Um, there's no accountability there. Right. But I think from a – and I'm not harping on any kind of discipline or martial arts. or You know, you can do whatever it is you want to be disciplined. Right. You can be disciplined as a mindset. You know, whether it's just making your bed every morning before you leave the house, right. that's still holding yourself accountable. Right. But I'm noticing your kids – Nelson, I haven't met yours yet, but I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, I will be able to one day. But, but in your children, that they are very aware. They're yeah. self-aware, and they're ahead of their age and mature for their age because of that. How did, how did you get to that point? With with my kids, yes. I always always treated them. Uh, you know, this is so cliche to say you always treat your kids like an adult, uh, but I did. Uh, I always treated them because they're my retirement they're my retirement plan. Right? Exactly. They're, my, they're my exit strategy. Exactly. Right? Exactly. I mean, I want to be able to. Nothing would make me more proud, uh, except maybe my son or my daughter going into the military. Okay. Nothing would make me more proud than to be able to hand that school, hand that business, which is like my third child. Right. Right. It has to be hand that <laughs> over to one of my children. Well, so let me ask you this: You saying that? Would you be upset if both of them one day just miraculously didn't want to do it anymore? I would not. I would not be upset. This is why, okay. because they could tell me unequivocally, "This is why I don't want to do it." Exactly. They, they have so reason behind time. it. Yes, they spent so much time in that business. I mean, they teach classes, they answer phones, they clean. I mean, it's all that, and we do the demonstrations and all that good stuff. So, I mean, they would they would be able to tell me instead of "I don't feel like I don't want to do this." They would say, "Dad, I don't want to do this because." Right, and if they could give me a reason why, then I'd, I'd be fine with it. it. Would hurt my feelings, of course. Well, yeah, I mean, but I'm, you know, empowering them to make their own decisions, holding yes. themselves accountable, and making the right decisions based on learning from everything you've instilled in them and the, 
their mistakes moving moving along. Yes, sir. And Nelson, I noticed, I believe it was on social media yesterday, the day before your your daughter was helping unload firewood. Dang right, dude, that's awesome. How old is she? Well, she's five. She be she's turning six. Tell me, a five year old, you know, that's going to unload a firewood, is, man. Yes, I, look, so I had a half a quart of red oak and white oak in the back of the truck. Right. All right, and it's some guys from the gym that I work out with. Uh, I got it from them, and we threw it in the back of the truck, and. It, I mean, it wasn't, you know, it was 18 inch regular split. And, and I was, she's like, Dad, I want to help you. And it's 7.30 at night, you got done with work. And I'm like, man, I don't really want to get up in here and unload this thing right now either. But, <laughs> so I'm like, well, but I got to, it's fixing rain. So, I'm, so I get her up there and I'm thinking she's going to pick up like three sticks. Because it was like not that long ago that I'm toting her backpack. Because she's like, Dad, carry my backpack because it's too heavy. I'm like, no, it's not that heavy. Carry the backpack, you know. Well... I'm telling you, she unloaded. I did not get anything out of the back of that truck. She handed me every insane. one of them, and I was like, I mean, it was a, it was a lot. I was, I was thinking after three or four, she was going to give out. Right. But and so the next morning, I was like, Hey, baby, are you sore? She's like, No, oh, I'm good. You know, like, I don't even know if she knows what sore is. But I was like, She's running around. I'm like, Holy! I mean, she just, she I mean, just, she just did it. Most middle aged grown men wouldn't even do that. No, that's insane. No. That's awesome. Yeah, she. She absolutely unloaded. I wish I had taken pictures at the start of how much wood was in it because right. I didn't think this was happening. I mean, I was right. just like, I started getting it off the back. She was handing it to me, and, and then I was like, I realized, like, she just unloaded my truck. This That's is crazy. Awesome. But it was nice, and I ready to climb in the back and <laughs> <laughs> climb down and back up. And down. Is she for hire? Wait, nothing. Yeah, yeah, nothing yeah absolutely. If you pay good, man, I can, I can take a layoff. <laughs> well, I mean... Dude, that's great. I mean, honestly, it's just cool to be able to hear that, you know, we're still instilling those work hard values into our children. Absolutely. And I say ours loosely. I mean, your, your guys, I don't have any, but I come from a big family and I, I grew up with a bunch of kids, so I know how it is. Um, now, what we're getting at as far as motivation, I want to I wanna know two things. And basically, what motivates you and why? Okay, like, and Marshall, what do you think it is? And I, no, no, I mean, on a daily basis, of course, it's going to, that's going to, feed into your business, but what motivates you? You know, my wife. Okay. My wife motivates me. Okay. My, my, my wife's my hero. I mean, she gets up every day and actually has a real job. She goes and she fights cancer for a living. So I see that and I go, man, I, I you know, because I've, I've, like I said, I've done previous things and, and finances have been tight. You know what I mean? I've stayed on dad for a while. Yeah. Right? So watching my wife go through that and, and, and being, being, being that soldier, that's motivated me. And so now that I'm doing what I'm doing, I can not only do it with my children, but my wife can be present as well. And she's a CFO. She's a pretty face out front. She, she takes care of all that. Um, knowing that um, I have to be present, I, I mean, I have to be on point and, and I have to be a leader. And there's my hero right there. That motivates me. You guys, I don't, I don't know if she's listening or is that's why he's telling us this or <laughs> that's the truth or not. But <laughs> that's that's a good reason. Yeah, that's that's, that's a good reason. I mean, what about you, Nelson? Well, daily. I mean, I guess my daughter now, because I never, you know, my wife too, but my daughter is just, I never, we didn't ever really necessarily want kids. I mean, we weren't one of those couples that was like, as soon as we get married, we got to have kids. And it was just kind of like, after five or six, seven years, we were, you know, I guess, you know, if you want to, you know, if it happens, it happens kind of thing, you know, and right. and that led through some trials and miscarriage and all kind of stuff. And that, you know, this is, I never was a kid person necessarily. And I was always like, I just thought, yeah, you get pregnant, 
you go, you find out it's a boy or girl, they pop it out, and you take care of this stuff. And I, and I found out very quickly. It's the long, I mean, I went through anxiety, depression. We went through all kind of wild stuff with, with some crazy stuff that I never on earth dreamed I would have gone through. And, um, and so, but this is one of those deals where it was just like, uh, when we had, you know, when we, I mean, I was, and I'm just a protector, super, like, probably too protective, but, um, you know, she just, it was amazing. You just can't experience that till you have your own kid. I mean, people always talk about it, right. but it's like, and, and so it blows my mind when I do see people that, that don't want to have their children or whatever. But I mean, I'm like, it, it is, it's definitely crazy. It's the craziest thing that ever happens to you. Sure. But other than that, I mean, you know, I've, I've got quite a few employees and, you know, you just want to do a good job. You want to be there for others. I think my big thing is, you know, I always want to, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm always wanting to help other people. I just always have a pen and I just, you know, so I just, I just go do what people need. You know, in fact, I had, I had to learn to say no. You know, it's one of those, that's a lesson too. I mean, of course you have people that take advantage of you and stuff, but I feel like the give, 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 and then eventually receive mentality is great because you're doing it because you want to. Right. Knowing indirectly it's going to come back to you at some point, no matter the context, whether it's in business or life. It's just how the world works, and I think it's just the energy thing and how everything moves around. I was, was going to add something to that. I, what you just said, I, I, I think, is very important. Now, some helping people. I, I, let me just, if I if I may, yeah, to of course. Go. So one of the one of the coolest things that I can do nowadays is I'll be in in, in another local business, whether it be a Target, a restaurant, any, anywhere around town, and I'll see a previous student, and they'll walk up to me and they'll say, "Hey, Mr. Fulgham, do you remember me?" Now, granted, I've been training students since since 1991, so you know it's been a while. And sometimes they're seven, and here we are, twenty something years later. And I'm like, of course, yeah. <laughs> and they'll say, "Well, believe it or not, um, I was. Remember me? I was the kid that would come in. I wouldn't have my belt tied right, and I couldn't stand still, and my uniform was all out of shape. I was always late. I was always getting in trouble. You, and I would say, it never fails. I always remember the face, but not the name. I say, yeah, I do remember you. And they say, well, I remember you back then, and you motivated me to be the now, now, you know, I'm the manager. Now I've, you know, I've graduated college. Now I've, and it's like, wow, now that's cool. Because here we are 20, 25 years later, and you're running the establishment, and, and you couldn't even pick your own nose back when you were <laughs> So that's another motivation as well. Well, so that, that being said, do you think the accountability made up for most of that? You know, the accountability and what you do? And I mean, and that's across all avenues, no matter what industry, no matter what art, how it is in personal life, however it is, whether it's martial arts or just running a business and holding employees accountable or your children, do you think that's what made it happen or do you think it's more along the lines of just the you instilling value in them? Brother, that's a good question. I think it's, uh, you know, God puts you in, in, in spots sometimes to, to make a difference, right? And so you find those people you connect with, you make a difference. But yes, holding people accountable, and like I said this morning in, in, in our meeting, not only holding people accountable, some people hear the word accountability and they think, I'm going to get in trouble if well, I Well, they run from it. They yeah, run from it. They exactly. run from it. And the worst, thing you can, the worst thing you can do is run from it because I feel like we are at a point in society right now to where we don't have any accountability. We don't have accountability for what's posted on social media. Right. We don't have accountability in government. We don't have accountability in society as a whole. That's right. Now, of course, there's a lot of good people doing good stuff out there and they're being recognized for, for it, but there's a lot of them doing good stuff out there and they're being rewarded for it in manners that really don't matter, yes. whether it be monetary or, you know, however, you know, whatever else it may be. But the thing, the thing that I, that I really go back to on all of this is that, 
right now it's the instant gratification and not willingness to put in effort. Yes. And when you can't put in effort, I know that's an old school mentality, but we still need it instilled because we don't have it. There's nothing to fall back on. You know, what happens if all these platforms disappear tomorrow and you have to put your hands on something to work again? That's true. You know, that's true. Well, I think the biggest thing is self, you know, and, 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 and one of those things you have to learn as you go is to be selfless and, and it's hard. I mean, everybody's selfish. That's that's the one of the biggest things I learned when you have a kid is you don't realize how selfish you are until you. I mean, just, I just want to take a nap this afternoon. That's I can't right. do that. Hey, yeah. But um, the, our society is a me society. You know, Facebook now is all pictures of really yourself. A lot of people put that, that's called selfies. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and a natural thing uh, to do is if you see a picture, if someone takes a picture of you and five or six other people. And then they show you the picture. The first thing you're going to do is look at yourself. I mean, exactly. That's that's natural. I mean, that's human nature. But when we when we make that the center of our life, um, you know, that's I think that's a that that's where that instant gratification comes from because there is no such thing as instant gratification. I mean, you're not supposed to be instantly gratified. Exactly. I mean, you're you're going to get something out of something all the time, but. It's not you're not supposed to do something so that you can get gratification every time you do something. I mean, right. sometimes it's going to be bad. Sometimes life's going to suck. Yeah, of course. Sometimes things are going to be. But you know what? I, I love when life sucks, and, and I'll say that loosely, meaning that I love getting kicked in the ass so I can get back up. Because if not, I'm never going to know what it feels like. So when something really bad happens, then I'm screwed. You're, you're you know, right. so many people that right. so many people say, you know. They're, they're depressed or, you know, they're upset or, you know, their life sucks. But I don't think that way because I can compare it to, okay, well, what if this, you know, who cares? Like, really, if you think about it and you have the mentality of, okay, my life sucks. If you're in your head saying, okay, who cares? Because really no one cares. At the end of the day, they don't. It's, you, you have to live selflessly. So, you, you know, to keep from being selfish, the people that live selfish versus the selfless, you know, have, you know, a totally different negative result. Yes. And, you know, moving forward from that, it's just putting the work in, holding yourself accountable and overall doing better for everyone. If you can't do that, then well, yeah, what are you here for? Here's the thing, too. I leave every night thinking to myself, if, if I never make another dime doing what I do, would I do it tomorrow? Absolutely. Unequivocally, this is what I was made to do. But there's so many people out there right now that hate what they're doing, Man, they do. hate their balls, hate school, hate college. Dude, you don't have to be there. <laughs> well, you don't have to be there. And also, uh, you don't necessarily have to like what you're doing to an extent. What you have to do is is do a good job at what you're doing in that moment. Yeah. So it's like, if and I'm not knocking them. I mean, I tell people all the time, if I was if I was in the back of the garbage truck picking up garbage cans, I'd be the I'd be one of the best guys out there. I'd be yeah. running. I'm exactly. Get some exercise out of this. Exactly. I was like, oh, no, I'm not jumping on the freaking truck. I'll run to the next set again, you know, until I get tired. But I mean, you know, because everybody has a place in life. Everybody has to do something. That doesn't mean that that person's going to do that the rest of their life. There's nothing they might like doing it. I mean, you know, there's some jobs like that that aren't bad because you don't have to answer to anybody. I mean, you don't. Right. You don't. You know, being a ball, being a business owner is is not. A cakewalk, you know, and um, no, of course not. But, but I think that that it's important to to try and find those things that you you like. But at the end of the day, we're not all going to just have our dream job, you know. I mean, I like what I do, but more than what I I like what I do because I like um, 
fixing things. But I also really like just the people that, that work with us. I mean, we have an awesome group. But I, I feel like you are doing what you want to do. You know, you say, okay, I like, you, know, like yeah, you like doing that, but not only that, you're about to open a coffee shop and you love it. You're an enthusiast. Oh, you, yeah. This dude has told me so much about coffee. I had no <laughs> idea there were all these different, you know, levels well, and I have, kind of viscosities and all these different, you know, <laughs> recipes. And, you know, for, for someone to be able to take the time to learn all that, you're motiv- motivated about it. So, so ma- no matter if you're, you start this new shop, whether it succeeds or fails, you had a fun time the entire time doing it, it. Yeah, right. and you learned something from yeah. it. But then it's, it's made you so passionate to be the best in this industry around this area because, you know everything there's to know about it. It's not just a business platform for you to make money real quick because it's trending right now. Right. And you know, I make a lot of espressos for my clients. Exactly. I mean, they they come in there. And well, that's probably – I think you said that's why that they suggested you have your own shop because you Yeah, I mean, stuff. I was always making – yeah. You were just it. making them. Yeah. You weren't, you're not trying to make money off I'm of them. Like, hey, like, hey, yeah, I was just, hey, you want, you want, a, you want, a, you want a, uh, a mocha latte today? You know, some some girl comes in. They all want mochas or vanilla something or others. and. Like, you know, I make it fun. Like, oh my gosh, this is so good. Like, I never, I never have coffee that tastes like this, you know? Well, in the last recession, I mean, coffee was the only thing that was up, right? It, it was one of the one things that did really well because yeah. people couldn't, people couldn't afford to uh, go buy themselves a new car, but they might go buy them a little instant gratification. Exactly. Like, yeah. I'm going to go get me a, a mocha frappuccino and it, yeah. it tastes good for five bucks. Makes I them mean, feel like they're rewarding themselves to yeah, they're they're they do. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's really interesting, you know, from a, from a business standpoint that, that's something that pushed through that entire downturn and come out ahead, and that's still one of the leading, probably. I guess would that be a food food retail industry? Yeah, and it's and it's and it's this new third wave coffee, more single origins, more. Another big thing with coffee right now is the is trying to buy single source coffees from you know whether it's Costa Rica or Guatemala or whatever, and you're doing it from family farms over there, and and there a lot of the 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 these smaller coffee shop guys and the the more single origin um, specialty coffee shops and then the people that buy the beans and everything else it's a big push to help others because they're supporting families over there they're supporting families in Guatemala they're trying to because what's happening is the big chains you know are buying up a lot of these a lot of these um, coffee farms right? yeah. And I mean, it's because it's bottom dollar. Right? No bottom pushing dollar. out at scale. And what'd you say? Yeah. Like if it's older than two weeks, the coffee is really shit. It's, it's, well, enough. I mean, it's it, coffee starts losing its coffee at, at two weeks. It starts losing, um, it loses its gases. And then at four weeks, it loses more gases. And so it's not as much oil there. There's not as much, there's not as much availability for that, for the, the flavors to come out once you start losing those gases. So at 800 hours, you know, you've lost quite a bit of gas and, um, and so, yeah, so it, it is better. I mean, it's not that you can't have good coffee that's a couple months old, but, man, when you get a single-origin coffee from Ethiopia that tastes like Fruity Pebbles or Blueberry that's a week old from being ro- roasted, I mean, it's like, wow, this is this is crazy. You know I, I mean? want everyone in, in who's listening to tell me their everyday local barista knows all of these things, because I highly doubt they do. You will, you will, yeah, you will in some places. You go to some big but, cities, you're going to have some awesome right. places. That are, and, I, and I don't know near as much as I should. I mean, right, I'm, but I'm it's still, still impressive, you know, it's still impressive because most people don't do that much R&D. They just say, okay, I know this is a uh, trending business. I can make money doing it. Yeah. What's the lowest cost? What's no. the best return? Launch. You know what I mean? You know, with our with our hospital, too, it's always been about quality. And I don't, I don't look at, at a case and go, 
how much am I going to make off this? I mean, it's the fact I do the opposite a lot of times to try to save people money, but you know, you, you just want to have a good reputation. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, your reputation is all you got this for. Yeah. Reputation. Another thing kids don't know right now is that there's a signature. They, yeah. A lot of them can't, you know, they don't have their own signature. And, and guys, they're playing off of trends. They're playing off of trends. They're not making themselves yeah. unique. Right. And a signature, the only other thing that's comparable to your signature is your fingerprint. That's right. Or now your retinal scan. Yeah. But I mean, like, you know, your signature can can make or break you in the court of law and a bad, you know. Of course. You know, and, and so it's like, it's really important to have some things that identify you as you. So, yeah. And, and, and you know, uh, everybody I know who's got a truth detector in their pocket, they pick their phone up and they, they check it out. Oh, yeah, out. right. Because that's, that's, that's where everything really, is. Right. Do you really know what you said you know, right? <laughs> right? So what I have a lot of people do in my business is they'll come in and they'll ask me, well, well what separates you from so-and-so down the street or so-and-so in, in town? And I'll say, well, this is, and I'll take them on a tour, and and I know the history behind every, like you say, signatures, every certificate, every signature. This is who I know taught me this, and you can trace that back all the way to the starting of Taekwondo. And so when you tell people that, and you, they go, oh, well, you already have a valuable product. Yes. When they walk in and you tell them all that, they're like, okay, this guy's not just here to make money. He's That's here right. to give me something, and he actually gives a damn about what my child That's or right. what I get out of it. And, and, and what you what you said, Nelson, is perfect. It's the exact said, same thing. When you said reputation, it's the most expensive form of advertisement mm-hmm. is word of mouth. But once you get it, it you, you better keep it. Yeah, you, 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 you have to work you have hard to keep it. Yes, you do. Marketing is, man, you went on that, t- I got to go on my tear. Okay, you, know? On. <laughs> on. you know, marketing is extremely important from the, the standpoint that if you're going to do it word of mouth, you got to do it right. And it is, the, like I said earlier, the long game. You play for the long game. You make all the right turns and you know just follow those paths and no matter who it is whoever you meet whoever you cross you make that decision sometimes you may even have to do stuff for free sometimes you may have to yeah. do stuff you really are questioning yourself about doing but it's not a morals or values thing it's just like do i really put the time into this it doesn't seem so important it always is though That's right. because the result from word of mouth is way better than anything else and on these devices on these phones social media is word of mouth and if you're not representing yourself there appropriately or you have some kind of false sense of represent, uh, representation, then your results is going to be crap. And it can sw- you know quickly change too. We, you know, like I was saying on the last last podcast is you know like your when you're looking at your resumes and stuff, that stuff is all online now. People don't even have to review a resume; they can just say, okay, what's this person doing in their personal life? Yeah. Can I trust them to run my business? Right. Can I trust them to take care of my wow. clients? I've done that. Yeah, I've looked them up. You have to. Yeah, you have to. I'm like, and what's funny is these people don't even think about it. They post whatever the hell they want. And I look at that stuff constantly because I'm always looking at the end user because no matter what platform you're on, you're showing everything to the end user, whether it's business or personal, mm-hmm. whoever sees it. So if you're going to, if these are people you're linked up with and you don't know, and you're putting this, this kind of information out in front of people you don't know, I can only imagine how you act around people you do know. That's right. That's good. <laughs> That's good. That's right. Yeah. You know, from that, so from that standpoint, I really want to, I want when you go back to selflessness, I heard something the other day, and I think this is really awesome. And I, I want to talk about it a little bit. When your framework is selfless, the decision is easy. When it's selfish, it's much harder. Ooh, it is. That's good. You know, and I heard that, uh, I listened to another podcast uh, a few weeks ago and I heard that phrase and I put it down because I, I said, man, I really can connect with that because if I'm making selfless decisions all day long that I know I'm helping it, helping other people, it's way easier to make that decision. Cause I'm like, okay, I know I'm going to help them. It's resulting in something good for them and me. If it's not for me, it actually is good for me because they're getting something out of it. And they can say, Hey, 
DJ, help me with this. That's right. But if I'm making a decision that's not helping anyone around me and only benefits me, am I really benefiting from it? No, I don't no. think so. Well, here, here, here's something I want to add to what you just said, and this is why I've always respected you, is because when I first got into our group that we're in. The- yeah, we're in, a, we're in a local networking group. It's um, I, well, I'll plug it real quick. It's a business networking international, BNI for short. It's globally known, so I don't mind plugging it. You know what I mean? So you're one of the first people I met with. And and you you came to the school and you showed me this is what you need to do. And right. I felt I felt like when you stood up and you talked about the guy that had the out of date website and all that, that was me. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm doing it all wrong, right? And so you yeah. talked to me about up upgrading, updating, and all that. And even though I didn't go with your I didn't go with your service, hey. you were you you were still like you know what I'm cool with that. I'm glad you learned something. And from that, that gave me enough knowledge base to know what I needed to do with my business. Exactly. I don't care if you use me or not. I would rather give you the information, you get value out of it. If you have to go somewhere else and you're more comfortable using someone else or it's a monetary thing, whatever it may be, at least I made you comfortable. So whenever you make that decision, you have more knowledge about the decision you're making. Because if you're going in it blindly, you have no guidance. Right. It's it's a hard lesson. Exactly. You spend way too much or you know, spend way too time on something way too much time on something, it's just a hard lesson to learn to eat that time and to eat that money. That's right. Well and and, and that's why that's why it just you know, it comes full circle because now when I you know, if you got pissed off and mad and said, Well, that's it, all people come all this time, but that's not how you took that. Well, that's an old school mentality, man. That's an old school sales mentality down your throat. Oh, I cannot believe you used me, that's man. Right. I've known you for ten years. I don't care, man. As long as you're succeeding and I'm succeeding, because at the end of the day, we're all working together as one of positives can come out of it. it, it no, it is. And like Zig Ziglar said, I say I tell my students all the time, if you help enough people get what they want, you're gonna get what you want. Exactly. And just you gotta keep on putting putting time and and you know, putting that positive out out there. Well, let's uh, shotgun real quick. We got about three more minutes. Okay. So Nelson, you got anything you wanna get in? No, I mean, I think uh, I mean this is awesome. This is a it's a good discussion and um I think that, especially for young listeners, uh, even like last week's uh, podcast. You Define know. young real quick. Well, I think people that are just trying to figure out what they want to do. Yeah, you know, exactly. I well, I mean, I'm 30, and I'm just now figuring out what I want right. to do. You know, so I think I think young, and, and I say that because I want everyone to know who our market is. My market is anyone who can turn this podcast on and listen to it. Yeah. And I may throw a few cuss words out here and there, but if you're not getting in trouble by listening to this, please listen to it. Whether you're 16, 18, or 50. Well, that's true. And, and that's what I mean. And, and even it can be young in your in your walk. Yeah. You know, I mean, exactly. You hey. know, I, I don't know what I want to be doing in 10 years from now. I mean, I didn't know what I was going to be doing what I'm doing now. So, and I don't know that, you know, who knows what, but at the end of the day, none of us you know, might be here tomorrow. So you have to live today. You have and, to. And then, and then be there for other people. But, you know, make it less about yourself. That's right. 100%. Well, look here, guys. I, I have y'all both something for coming on the show, and I appreciate it. Um, Nelson, I'm going to give you yours first. Um, Is it a so, single origin Ethiopian dog chef? <laughs> <laughs> so it is coffee. So you're a horse veterinarian. So this coffee is called Kicking Horse Coffee, and it, the blend is kick ass. Well, I hope it'll so get kicked today. <laughs> it's, That's cool. It's sweet, smoky, and audacious. Cool. And it's a dark roast. So um, I hope you enjoy it, man. Yeah, I really appreciate, man, appreciate it. it. Now, Marshall, yep. I have something, and this is kind of an inside joke from our networking group. But um, I thought about this for a little while. And I didn't know if I should do it or not, but I think it's hilarious. So I didn't really know what to get you. So I'm going to give you this, and I want you to read it to the listeners. Oh, explain, gosh. explain what it is. Oh, five miles north of I- <laughs> on Ben Road, guys. I, when I started this networking group with DJ, uh, 
I said this every day. This is his slogan. And this is this is my slogan. This bit my stay up. I, I stand up every day and I start my one minute presentation by saying, "Hi, my name is Marshall Fulgham. I'm with Bitmore uh, Arts. We're five miles north of I-220 on Benton Road." And I say that because there's 26 other schools in this area. I want you to come to see me. Right. <laughs> there you go. Right. Dude, let me tell you something, man. I'm going to put this up on my wall. Dude, I hope you would. I hope and you that's, would. That's making Facebook. When you and I do some business, this is going to make it. It'll, it'll make it. Hey, man. No, Thank you, my friend. Yeah, of course, Thank man. And, um, and to end this, if you would, just, hey, subscribe to my podcast. Stay tuned. We're going to have a lot of good content coming up. And thank you guys for coming on today. Thank you. Thanks, man.